At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is the Nightcap with Tim Murray and Super Bowl champion Sean King on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Of the nightcap here on Vison alongside Adam Burke. Follow him at Skating Tripods. I am Tim Murray. We're live from the Circus Sportsbook as we look up and the San Diego Padres continue to uh, roll on their way to an easy World Series championship after the moves that they made. Look, I am uh, I'm all in on the Padres now, Adam. I, I listened to our advice, took a little dabble of twenty-two to one, and. So far, so good on that uh, first uh, opportunity. Brandon Drury, a grand slam. 9-1 to they lead in the seventh inning at Petco Park tonight. And that's where we head right now. Bring in a, a good friend of mine from Extra 1360 in San Diego. Uh, that is John Schaefer. And uh, John joins us, I believe, walking through the concourse. So I'm sure the, the sound quality, John, is going to be tremendous for this interview. Uh, check out his show, John and Jim, weekdays from 3 to 6 p.m., uh, Pacific. You know, before we jump into the nuts and bolts, um, the scene looked absolutely tremendous, especially for a Wednesday evening game against the Colorado Rockies. I was uh, on your show, what, yesterday talking about it, and it feels like uh, San Diego's been partying ever since that news came across that Juan Soto would be a Padre. It's a great word, Tim, and great to be with you guys. It's literally, it's a party in San Diego. It's incredible. You know, I've, I've been in San Diego for, you know, just over five years, but I've never experienced anything like this with positive baseball. And they've had some special years. They have. I mean, Fernando Tatis and the signing of Manny Machado. 2020 was a great team, but there was a pandemic. But tonight at Petco Park, it's really surreal. I mean, it, it felt like a playoff game. Um, energy in the building, it, it, you don't get it. Typically, like you said, early in August. But I mean, there's something special going on right now in the city with his baseball team and adding in Juan Soto and others, by the way, like Josh Bell, like Brandon Drury. Um, I mean, the excitement has never probably been higher for the baseball since they moved to Petco Park about two well, obviously, John, this series against the Rockies going really well. Looks like they're going to take the first four of this five game series, the finale coming up tomorrow. But I think all eyes are on this series with the Los Angeles Dodgers coming up this weekend, including Sunday Night Baseball here coming up on August 7th. Uh, 
are people going to make too much of this series, you think? Is this you know something where the Padres are very excited, looking like this is kind of a litmus test? What are you expecting here this weekend with that series against the Dodgers? I think it's a great point and a great question. I think in San Diego there will be a lot of overreaction. I'm sure Jim and I on our radio show at Action 1360 will overreact to it because what has happened, obviously, is that the Dodgers have had the upper hand in this division for the better part of the last decade plus, and they've controlled the season series at the Padres for the last decade plus as well. And it feels like over the course of the last couple of years, like you're waiting for a changing of the guard, but it's never really come. And they met in the 2020 postseason. Again, it was a weird year. The NLDS was in Arlington, Texas. The Padres got swept, but they didn't have their two primary starters that year. Nelson Lamet, who was brilliant in the regular season, got hurt. Mike Clevenger got hurt that year as well. This is a different team. I mean, they've worked after their starting rotation with Joe Musgrove and Hugh Darvish and Blake Snell, Sean Maniah, and others. And this offense is a better offense than it was in 2020 because they've added Juan Soto to it. And you have Manny Machado right in the middle of his prime having a great year. And we'll see about Fernando Tatis Jr. I mean, I do think that's a little bit of a question mark coming off this injury, but it's hard to bet against Fernando Tatis Jr. So I think if you just look at it on paper, I think the team stack up pretty well. To each other, but truth be told, the Dodgers have gotten the upper hand. So until the Padres can do it on field, I think the Dodgers are going to be considered the favorite, obviously, in the National League or the National League West. Yeah, and they're certainly the favorites still uh, to win the National League. But it was interesting. You saw the odds shift down a little bit. Uh, the Yankees and Dodgers, at least at DraftKings today, co-favorites now to win uh, the World Series when the Dodgers were a slight favorite just uh, a day ago. We're talking to John Schaefer, host on Extra 1360 there in San Diego at Petco Park uh, as we speak as it's a 9-1 lead for the Padres. Um, you know, you look at that lineup and, uh, boy, you know, seeing Juan Soto in the middle of it, Josh Bell, is his former teammate, coming uh, coming there with him, and then Brandon Drury hits the grand slam in the first inning to, to make that place explode. But I do want to get to Fernando Tatis um, you know, he was, he's obviously there. He was introduced to all the players. There was a, a cool video of him, you know, embracing Juan Soto, but what is your expectation of Tatis when slash, you know, if, or when will we see him, uh, you know, back in the lineup? You know, I'd be surprised if we didn't see him by the time the Padres go to DC to take on the Nationals next weekend. I feel like that's the timeline they're angling for. I think there might be a scenario where it's a tick sooner than that like next week against the Giants, but they've been very cautious. I mean, he's the 14-year contract, year two of that deal. They have him essentially for his career, and they'd rather be too cautious as opposed to the opposite, right, and overly aggressive with it. And it's it's a serious injury. I mean, he hasn't been on a baseball field in a game since last season, so you're pushing almost one year. The thing that I've found with Tatis covering him for his entire career is you cannot bet against him, and there have been some moments where he's been hurt, and you say, how can he do this? He's been asked to change his swing or change his game, and he always does. He's an, I mean, he's just a brilliant baseball player. So until proven otherwise, until I see a player that isn't the player I saw for the last three years, I'm going to assume, as crazy as it sounds, that he could step right into that lineup and be an impact bat immediately. And when I say immediately, maybe it takes a day or maybe it takes a series or maybe it takes four or five games. But beyond that, I mean, what you watch day in and day out as a Padres fan in San Diego or if you watch this team day in and day out, I mean, this, this guy is brilliant. And he does something special on a baseball field basically night in and night out. So, um, you know, I think people are waiting and waiting. And the expectations when he takes the field is for him to be an MVP caliber player. That's what the expectations in San Diego are. 
I think we can all agree that this is a, a deep rotation. One through five, Blake Snell with a quality, very, very strong start here tonight. Mike Clevenger's looked pretty good as well, even though he's kind of been in and out of that rotation here. They make the Josh Hader and, and Taylor Rogers swap in the bullpen. I would personally would have liked to have seen the Padres get another arm in middle relief, maybe a high leverage setup guy, something like that. Does this bullpen have enough? And do you think that maybe they also should have gotten you know, another reliever, another setup man at the trade deadline? We've asked that question. You know, I think it's a legitimate one. Um, I think it's a good question. I mean, I think Hater puts everyone else in the right spot. I think without Hater, they were all out of you know, position, so to speak, even though they're relievers, right? I mean, I think they have eighth inning candidates. Drew Pomerantz has missed all year, but when healthy as a sub two ERA as a Padre for two years of his career, he is expected back at some point sooner rather than later. Um, in addition to Drew Pomerantz, they've got guys that have thrown the ball well. The bullpen, like Luis Garcia, Robert Suarez, is supposed to come back. Um, I'm Tim Hill's been very good for this team. Uh, Nabil Krismat's been very good. So I don't know if it's going to be the best bullpen in baseball. I think it's a lot better with Josh Hader because I just feel a lot better. For example, if you're playing the Cardinals in a series in the postseason and they got Goldschmidt and Arenado do up and you got Taylor Rogers there. I mean, and he had a nice year. He had a nice couple of months, but uh, you just can't feel as confident with Taylor Rogers facing the meat or heart of a lineup as opposed to Josh Hader. So I feel, I think that if they feel confident, if they lead a game through six innings, they're in good shape, and certainly through eight innings. And the starters go deep. I mean, guys like Mania and Darvish and Musgrove are six, seven-plus inning pitchers, which is a little atypical in baseball these days. So they feel as if they get six innings from the starters and they're in a position where they can beat you with the lead. We're talking once again to John Schaefer, uh, catches show uh, afternoon drive there in San Diego, extra 1360. Uh, and uh, he joins us right now live from Petco Park as the Padres uh, trying to put the finishing touches on the Rockies in game one of the uh, Soto Bell Drury era uh, as uh, Brandon Drury goes uh, with a grand slam in that first inning. You know, you look at that lineup, is your expectation, what, I guess I'll ask, if you know when Tatis returns, and let's just for argument's sake say it is in D.C. next week when the Padres make that trip to the East Coast tonight, it was Profar, Soto, Machado, Bell, Cronenworth. Uh, where does Tatis slip in, and and what is your expectation of that that lineup that'll be filled out? Uh, you know, for for Padres fans, hopefully, you know, through the entirety of the postseason. I, I've always loved him as a leadoff hitter. I think he's one of the more underrated leadoff hitters, if that's possible, because you think of him as a power threat. But he's had unbelievably productive numbers as a leadoff hitter if you look at his career, which isn't that many games because he's been hurt. Um, but Jerkson Profor has been a very good leadoff hitter for the Padres. and He's a lot of pitches. I wouldn't be surprised if it was something like Profar, Tatis, Soto, Machado, Bell, Drury, Cronenworth, I mean, you, you get really deep. I mean, they've completely turned this entire thing over. I mean, four-ninths of their lineup, when you talk about Soto, Bell, Drury, and Tatis, I mean, that's half the team. And two MVP candidates, year in and year out, and Tatis and Soto. So I don't think you can go wrong. I'd put all three of them in succession. I think it's going to be very taxing for opposing staffs to get through that, even when they have success. I think the pitch counts are going to be elevated and up. So, you know, it's a pick-your-poison lineup, I think, when it's healthy. The question is, are they going to be healthy? Um, and Padres fans like to believe that they will be, and Tatis is coming back. But if they can keep this team healthy, it's going to be a legitimate lineup. All right, John. 
30 seconds, we'll probably have you on again, so uh, you, you won't be held to it too much. Do the Padres okay. win the pennant? Oh, man. You can't <laughs> hold me to that. You can't ask me that right now. I need to see the team fully healthy. Ask me again in a couple of weeks. They're not. They're, they're up 9-1 in the first game. You were there. People were going crazy. Brandon Drury at a grand slam. He's going to win NL, you know, CS MVP. All right, we'll ask you again well, in a month. Uh, we'll have you back on. <laughs> there he is, uh, John Schaefer from Extra 1360. Uh, Padres leading 9-1 to in the bottom of the seventh inning. So, yeah, we'll see. Biggest question, bullpen. And that lineup is, whew, that is, a, that is a deep lineup. You know who also has a pretty good lineup? The Dodgers. Yeah, and the Braves. <laughs> and the Braves. And, and, the, and, Mets, Mets. and the Mets lineup is pretty good, too. Yes. Uh, the NL playoffs are going to be a blast. They're going to be so much fun to watch. You know what also be fun? The SEC this year. Maybe. I don't know. Or Georgia and Alabama will just win it all. We'll still talk SEC on the other side. It's the nightcap. This is the Nightcap. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help. Call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed... (laughs) Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. On VSIN, the sports betting network. If you're looking for more sports betting discussion around your local teams, Bet Rivers has you covered. Bet Rivers has launched a series of CityCasts designed to tackle sports betting from a local perspective. There are CityCasts in Chicago, Denver, Detroit, LA, New York, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, and Washington, D.C. Subscribe to your local CityCast wherever you get your podcasts. Alongside Adam Burke, I am Tim Murray. Our college football betting guide is out. And uh, once again, head to vcin.com slash subscribe to uh, get the college football betting guide. Uh, if you subscribe now, you'll get all of our content in addition to all of our guides as well for just 175 bucks. So uh, head on over uh, right now. I, we, we were talking about it you know, after the show last night, a different way to kind of look at uh, college football this year. All of us who contributed to the guide picked uh, playoff teams. And I want to get to that in just a moment, but you wrote up the SEC, and we, we focused on kind of the big boys yesterday. Just jumping through a little bit to some of the other uh, teams in the SEC this year, um, one that has gotten some buzz, and I know my partner, Sean King, is uh, is pretty high on them, is Kentucky. Are you 
buying in on this Kentucky team this year. Look, Stoops has, has done as good of a job as anybody could have asked for. There's a lot of hype around Will Levis. You know, but is that hype too much this year, Adam, when it comes to Big Blue Nation uh, on the football field? So the, the hype for Will Levis is kind of weird to me. I, I know, I guess maybe he kind of has the measurables to, to really be liked in the NFL draft picture and all that. I, I don't really get it necessarily, but I'll say this. Kentucky's a really intriguing team for this season because they won 10 games last year. Mm-hmm. They were minus 11 in turnover margin. You don't see that. You really do not see teams have a lot of success when they're negative double digits in turnover margin. The second thing is... The Wildcats were 5-1 and one in games decided by seven or fewer points, including their Citrus Bowl win over Iowa. So you would think there's some regression to the mean in close games for them. On the other hand, they went 5-1 and one in games decided by seven or fewer points, and they were minus 11 in turnover margin for the season. So they're a really strange team, I think. When you look at some of the signs of positive or negative regression for them, they do lose offensive coordinator Liam Cohen. He goes back to Los Angeles Rams, yep. where he'll be the offensive coordinator there. Uh, but Rich Scandarello, who's going to be the new offensive coordinator, comes from the same coaching tree. Things shouldn't change a whole lot. And this is still, despite Levis and, and some of the talk about him for the draft, this is still a run-first offense. I mean, they were 16th in yards per carry last year. Uh, their leading rusher, Christopher Rodriguez, had almost 1,400 yards. He's back. This is a team they are going to be heavily favored in all three of their non-conference games. They do get Georgia at home, which will be interesting for them. They are on the road at Florida and at Tennessee uh, two teams that, you know, in recent history, they, they've had some struggles with. But they only forced 12 takeaways on defense last year, still held opponents to 21.7 points per game. So there's a lot to like. I think there are some things to kind of dislike. Their season win total seven and a half, very heavily juiced to the over. My numbers give them 7.92 wins. So if you get an eight, I lean under. If it's seven and a half, I lean over. But several closely lined games for this team. So it largely will probably just come down to turnover margin. You know, another team uh, in the SEC that there's kind of been a lot of negativity around them based off of their hiring process, and that was bringing in uh, Brian Kelly, who people certainly uh, enjoy to hate. And as a Notre Dame fan, I get it. Uh, But I'll say this. I I do think Brian Kelly is a very good coach. I think right now almost feels like he's a little underrated. Uh, You know, and and the one thing that he did – which is actually, in my opinion, quite remarkable. He did not lose games he was supposed to win. Uh, The last time Notre Dame under Brian Kelly lost as a favorite was in November of 2017 against Stanford. Cincinnati last year, they were an underdog. They lost that game. They actually ended up an underdog against Oklahoma State. He wasn't the head coach anymore. So I look at this schedule... They're coming off certainly an incredibly disappointing year that led to the ousting of Ed Orgeron. Um, I don't know what to make of LSU. I've heard so many differing opinions. I think a lot of people expect them to... There's the there's the feeling out there, Adam, that Brian Kelly can never win the big game. Okay, well, that may be true, but they were significantly undermanned and massive underdogs in all the games, the Alabamas, the you know, the the Clemson games in the playoffs. So when you look at their schedule this year, they are going to be a favorite in, what, seven, maybe eight games? Now, the back end of the schedule is very challenging. At Texas A&M, they'll be an underdog there. At Arkansas, probably an underdog. Obviously, they'll be an underdog against 
Alabama, at Florida, maybe a pick or so. Uh, so when you look at the LSU schedule, and right now the total is at seven, If you could, there's some spots you could find a six and a half. What are your expectations at LSU? Because if I see a six and a half, I would tend to lean towards the over on LSU, maybe a buy low opportunity on, on the Bayou Bengals. So I only have LSU favored in five games. However, a lot of close lines there. I have a three-point dog against Auburn, two-point dog against Tennessee, four-point dog against Florida. Very, very short dog, basically a pick em in the game against Ole Miss. So another team that has a lot of toss-up types of games. So for me, I go to the quarterback position. You know, Will it be Jaden Daniels? Will it be Miles Brennan? Could it be Garrett Nussmeyer, who was supposed to be redshirted last year? Mm-hmm. They wound up having to burn that because of all the turnover that they had, um, you know, in terms of the quarterback position. So there, there was just a lot going on here with this LSU team. New defensive coordinator Matt House is a Steve Spagnolo protege. That's something that should help them, I think, because you know I think this is the kind of team that needs to be running an NFL type of defense because they have the talent, they have the ability to do that. So I think that'll help them. Look. They were 90th in yards per play last year, only 5.4. They were 12th in the SEC in scoring offense. They were 80th nationally. That's with a 1,000-yard rusher. That's with Max Johnson throwing for over 2,800 yards and 27 touchdowns. So some more creativity will help on the offensive side. I have them projected for 6.3 wins. However, again, a lot of really closely lined games for them. Does Kelly make the difference? You know, is Kelly a guy that, because Ed Orgeron kind of was what he was. He got very fortunate that he had maybe the college football's best offense of all time yeah. with Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and all the other guys that were down there. Uh, so, you know, I think this is a hard team to peg, exactly what you said. I, I don't really know what's going to happen with this team. So, I, like I said, from a pure numbers standpoint, I only have them projected for about 6.3 wins, but a lot of toss-up games there that if the quarterback play is good, and Kelly has a good grasp of this team, they could overperform and possibly be a team that goes 9-3. and three. I want to jump to another team that's certainly had uh, plenty of headlines because of uh, Jimbo versus uh, Nick Saban this offseason, and that's Texas A&M. Number one recruiting class in the country, a ridiculous number of blue chips that are coming in. I think 2023 uh, might be realistic to look at for them competing for national championships, even 2024. Um, you look at you know two years ago, there was – complaints that they should have made the, the college football playoff over a team like Notre Dame in the COVID year. You know, obviously I disagree. Um, but last year they had the big win uh, over Alabama, but then faltered in, in some other spots. You're looking at a win total of eight and a half, a very uh, interesting non-conference game in college station uh, in week three against Miami. Uh, they've got Arkansas where they will be a slight favorite uh, they they have that big showdown against Alabama. So you look at the schedule, and I think Texas A&M, if they end up being a favorite against Auburn and a road favorite against Mississippi State, you know, really you're looking at only one game that they're an underdog. So does Jimbo Fisher's squad, are they up to the challenge this year aside from that Bama game to surpass their win total? Well, you know, when you look at Texas A&M last season, they had to win over Alabama, as you mentioned, but they were only two and four against SEC West opponents. Yeah. So they did struggle, you know, when they were stepping up in class a little bit. This year's schedule is very tricky. You mentioned the non conference game that they wind up with against Miami. They also play App State. That's, 
a game that they should win, obviously, playing that one at home. But, you know, App State is a very, very solid football team. Great running game. So that'll be an interesting matchup there. They draw Florida from the east. They also draw a road game at South Carolina, which I think the Gamecocks will be much improved here for this season. Once again, another team here in the SEC where the quarterback is the question. You know, will it be Haynes King? Will it be Max Johnson, who transferred over from LSU? Do they go possibly the Clemson route that we expect Clemson to go with Cade Klubnik? Do they go with their five-star freshman and Connor Wigman? That's a possibility for them, too. So I think the one thing that people are not talking about with Texas A&M, defensive coordinator Mike Elko was really, really good. He's now the head coach at Duke. DJ Durkin has been around. He's been at some very good programs. He was at Florida for a while. Good hire, but will he do as well as Elko did with this defense? I kind of lean under with Texas A&M a little bit because of the schedule and because, again, I think the SEC is is a tough gauntlet once again. Well, Texas A&M, uh, uh, one of the teams that th- people think maybe they could find their way into the college football playoff if they run the table, only losses to Alabama, do they get in? I think it's pretty consensus. Ohio State and Alabama, everyone expects them to be in that final four. Who will those other two teams be, and is there some betting avenues to uh, to look at? We'll examine those next right here on the Nightcap. This is the Nightcap on VSIN, the sports betting network. Baseball predictions made brighter. Join the Born in a Ballpark Challenge presented by Blue Moon to compete free for cash all season. And a weekly prediction pools to fight for your share of $62,500 in total cash prizes. Head to DraftKings.com slash Blue Moon now to join the action. Blue Moon made brighter. 21 and over only. 21 and over only. Terms and conditions. Other eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Drink responsibly. Alongside Adam Burke, I am Tim Murray. It is the nightcap here on VEASAN talking some college football. Is there a favorite win total that you have in the SEC? Whether it be a total over or under? When it comes to the SEC, again, I mean, I think there are so many questions about so many teams, with, especially at the quarterback position, and it's a very tightly lined conference. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's a conference that's the best in the country, so the oddsmakers are going to pay very close attention to it. I think Auburn under is the one that I like here, you know, because we're talking about LSU. You know, we're talking about Mississippi State is a very solid team. Will Rogers is a very, very good quarterback for that system that Mike Leach has. Alabama's obviously elite, as we know. Um, you know, it just feels like to me, Arkansas is improving as well. Auburn feels like the team going in reverse here, you know, because I don't think Brian Harson's a very good head coach. I didn't really like that hire. The recruiting bizarre. pipeline hasn't been as strong for them. Uh, we talked about it yesterday. Derek Mason left and took the job at Oklahoma State. So I think Auburn under would, would be the one that I'm looking at the most here as far as the SEC goes. Yeah. Uh, at DraftKings, by the way, Bama over 10.5 is still out there. It's, 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 you know, you look around town here, you see some 11.5s out there, some 11s. Um, you know, minus 280. Obviously, people will say that's a ton of juice to lay. Fair. Um, I don't know where they're losing twice. I just I don't know. They're a double-digit favorite in every single game this year. Did you hear what Al, uh, Nick Saban said the other day about last year's team? So it was a rebuilding year. Rebuilding year. 
they went to the national championship, and if Jamison Williams doesn't tear his ACL, they might very well win the national championship. Yeah. But rebuilding year, rebuilding year, uh, last year for Alabama, and uh, <laughs> now they are a double. Digit- at least you know, at least he didn't do one of those things where he's like, "Well, you know, we're we're an underdog coming into the season." Yeah, they like, I love when when coaches do that. Well, we're an underdog. No, you're a double digit favorite in every game. Well, and and I was I, I figured that you know when Chris Andrews came on the nightcap, you know about two or three months ago when they released their uh, game of the year lines, and he said that Ohio State was slightly power rated ahead of Alabama. I figured that would just get to Tuscaloosa and be like, oh, see, Vegas doesn't believe in you. You know, <laughs> they think you suck. <laughs> Alabama's better or Ohio State's better than us. Um, so. Yeah, I don't know. I have it. I laid juice with Ohio State uh, here in town uh, about a, three, four weeks ago at minus one seventy five over ten and a half. Two eighty. It's a hell of a lot of juice to lay, but find the two losses. You know, right. could they lose once? Sure. It's college football. Alabama's lost some games they're not supposed to lose. Texas A and M's capable. I don't think Texas is. Some people do. It's a night game. You know, in or it's a, actually it's a noon game. It's one of the big noon kickoffs, which. I think it's a disadvantage for Texas, in my opinion, having that 11 a.m. start. But let's get to uh, a way to a different way to look. Last year, uh, a couple people at the network took some 14 to ones on Cincinnati to make the playoff. I love this market. I think it's a unique way to find a little bit of value because I think the majority of us believe there isn't much value, even though you could have got Georgia at eight to one to win the national championship last year, which uh, would have been a nice hit for some. I decided to pick Oklahoma instead of Georgia, which was a wonderful decision by me. Um, but you look at to make the playoffs, you know, Ohio State, yes, minus 255. Uh, Georgia, yes, minus 110. Um, uh, you can go up and down, Alabama, minus 240. So for you, Adam, what would be the route, the, I don't call it lottery ticket, but what would be the shot that you would be willing to take uh, on a team to make the playoff. Um, you know, we can go through them all. I know you really like Utah, kind of tee up for that one. Wisconsin, they could win the West. I just think if you get pulverized in your championship game, which I think we all kind of expect to happen, they're going to have to be undefeated, in my opinion, heading into the Big Ten championship game in order to be in the discussion for a playoff. So 10 to 1 on Wisconsin. Uh, doesn't really intrigue me. Notre Dame doesn't really intrigue me at eleven to one. I would have to be much higher on that, especially you know after they lose Week One against Ohio State. And there's a couple other toss-up games home to Clemson, last game against USC, BYU here in Las Vegas. So, give me one that intrigues you in the to make the playoff prop. So, some of the people out there that, that bet at DraftKings must have read the College Football Betting Guide that we have because both Matt Humans and I mentioned Utah. At yep. five to one to make the playoff, they're down to plus four fifty now. As I'm looking on the screen, the thing about this one, though, the more I think about it, you know, we we were suggested to put something together in terms yeah. of you know looking at a playoff future or something like that. This game, this bet for Utah, just might be contingent on the week one game at Florida, mm. where they're a two point favorite in that game. I actually have Utah power rated as a five point favorite in that one. We'll see if they have to deal with extreme heat and humidity and all that. But if they don't win that game and get that signature non-conference win over the Gators, is the Pac-12 good enough for Utah to be an 11-1 Pac-12 champion and get to the college football playoff? Because 
Georgia, I have at least a 14-point favorite in every game. So even if they lose to Alabama in the SEC championship, they're in. They're in. Um, so And the same goes for Alabama, obviously. Right. If they lose the SEC championship at 12-0, and 0, and at some point, too, it's like even at 11-1, and 1, if they – yeah, here's the the interesting part about you know we haven't seen a two loss team make it to the college football playoff yet, and I don't think Alabama will have two losses. But the non conference victories, you know they they carry a lot of weight. Alabama goes to Texas, they beat Texas. Let's say Texas wins the Big Twelve, Alabama loses the SEC championship. You know how is that going to be weighed? That's that's the you know the interesting wrinkle that we haven't had to answer just yet and could potentially get it this year. Right, and, and look, you know, Utah's a team I have favored in all 12 games this season. The smallest line I have for them, they're a two-and-a-half-point favorite on the road at Oregon uh, on November 19th. You know, but it's, it's about that Florida game, I, I almost feel like, because, yeah, they should go on the road and beat UCLA. I have them about an eight, eight-and-a-half-point favorite in that game. They'll be a double-digit favorite, at least by my numbers, at home against USC the following week. You've talked you have about a it already. Double-digit favorite. I have eleven, and I think I have eleven or eleven and a half in wow. that game. I'm very high on Utah this Chris season. Chris Andrews, obviously. I believe, opened that at twelve. That has been bet down to four or five of the game of the year market there yeah. uh, at South Point. And there's there's you know way too lofty of expectations in my opinion on USC. Right, I, I think so too. I, I think there will be a little bit of a transition, particularly on the defensive side, where they may score 35, 38, maybe forty points per game. But that defense is going to give up a lot of points as well. In, in terms of the other playoff thing that I'm looking at here so Clemson right when, when you talk about Ohio State Alabama and Georgia they're clearly the three best teams in the country I have them at least an eight point favorite on a neutral over everybody else in the country Clemson is a team that if Cade Klubnik is the guy because I don't think Uyunglele can be the guy I don't think that that's something that they can do here with him because they win the ACC with him absolutely do they run the table and become a playoff team with him I don't know about that but if Klubnik takes over and kind of pulls a Trevor Lawrence here for this team. And they win the ACC and they beat Miami. You know, they'll have to beat Miami twice if they're able to do to get to, uh, you know, the college football playoff, I think, because I think Miami does win the other division there. Clemson at plus 155. I mean, I could talk myself into it. Also, you could just bet them minus 120 to win the ACC and not even worry about the playoff discussion. Yeah. But when you look at that fourth team, to me, I think it's only between Utah and Clemson. And what's going to be fascinating, too, about this is the Pac-12, year after year, has not really been looked at in high regard, and they have also cannibalized themselves. The thing you have to keep in mind, too, is you mentioned that week one game uh, that, that Utah has on the road at Florida. Clemson also has arguably a better non-conference opportunity in early November at Notre Dame. So, you know, the non-conference has always come into effect uh, and if Clemson, I think Clemson has a little bit of a buffer if they go to South Bend and they win against Notre Dame, which right now I think they're, you know, depending on where you look, maybe a slight favorite around a pick em. So let's say they get picked off by Miami, for example, November 19th at home. Well, they can avenge that loss and then the Notre Dame win, assuming Notre Dame is strong, a 9-3 and three type of team, that's going to really help them uh, in, you know, in the eyes of the committee. So I look at that schedule for, for Clemson. The quarterback situation certainly is questionable, but they have NC State at home. They have Miami at home. They do go to Notre Dame. So when you're looking at to make the playoff, that's a little tricky. But 
I think Clemson, I wish those odds were a little higher. To me, the non-conference game at Notre Dame, Adam, the fact that Miami and NC State, arguably the two best teams other than Clemson, come go to Clemson, I would think Clemson, in my opinion, gets into the college football playoff. I think so. And, and look, I really love Oklahoma. I think they could be great. But Oklahoma's gotten waxed in the playoff already. I don't know if the committee would put them in there. It's the nightcap. Wrap things up next right here on VEASAN. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is the Nightcap on VSN, the Sports Betting Network. The College Football Guide is out now. Start your football season on the right foot with expert profiles of all 131 teams, including team trends, power ratings, over-under recommendations, plus our best season win total bets, Heisman hopefuls, playoff predictions. The only way to get access to this year's football guide is to become a VEASAN all-access subscriber. Sign up early, and for a discounted $175, you'll receive the college and pro football betting guides with a full VEASAN all-access all the way through the Super Bowl through mid-February. Or you could join us for $40 a month to see everything VEASAN has to up your betting game. Head over to vcin.com slash subscribe for all your options and become part of the Sports Betting Network. Last segment of the night, Scott Seidenberg coming up, top of the hour. Uh, that is Adam Burke. I am Tim Murray. Talking some college football here with the college football betting guide out. Something that we missed, um, we have not been following this A's and Angels game closely for obvious reasons, <laughs> but uh, Shohei Otani was pinch hit for. Late in the game. Now, the Angels are trailing 3-1. to one. Not exactly the time you'd pinch hit Shohei Otani. So uh, we'll, we'll see what happens with that. I haven't seen any other update, um, but Kurt Suzuki batted for Shohei Otani. That is uh, very fascinating. Uh, the Padres, by the way, have uh, finished off the Colorado Rockies 9-1. to one. Juan Soto did get a single. However, there was uh, a lot of people out there who had uh, bet MGM today had 100% on percent of the bets on the over on bases, doubles, homers, singles, steals, RBI. If you bet the over on all of those, you won one of your bets uh, because he had one base, uh, he had a single, 
He had no doubles. He had no homers. He had no. He had one single. There's your winner. He had no steals, and he had no RBI. So um, Juan Soto and the public uh, all over uh, the public all over Juan Soto tonight. Couple walks, but ultimately, uh, you know, fine night for, yeah. for Juan Soto. Nine to one though. The Padres uh, get the win. Brandon Drury in his first game hits a grand slam. All right, I want to. Wrap things up here. Just uh, we've been hitting on a lot of college football. You uh, have broken down the biggest home field advantages and also the uh, schools with the least home field advantage. Uh, the rent at UConn, uh, pretty low. <laughs> yeah, UConn, one of the teams. So my baseline for this season is two points. Okay. So start with two, go down or go up. My highest is three and a half. My lowest, one point, and that includes the UConn Huskies, the Mighty Huskies. So my process here, and nothing is going to be perfect with home field advantage, and also it's a variable thing, right? Home field advantage for a 12 o'clock game against a non-conference opponent is different than it's going to be for a whiteout or you know some other sort of big event, homecoming, whatever the case may be. But this is just a raw home field advantage number. I factor other things into my handicap, like you know revenge spots at home, things of that sort. But basically what I did was I took a five-year sample of straight-up, plus ATS win percentage at home. Five years because, you know, we had COVID outbreaks last year. We had the COVID season in 2020 where there weren't fans, all of that. I realized that five years in college football is a very long time. You're talking Mm -hmm. about an entire recruiting class coming in and going out. But it's not perfect, but it's at least better than nothing. It's at least better than guessing on what home field advantage should be worth. And I think the biggest takeaway, and you can read this article for free actually over at vcin.com, is that, People just assume home field advantage is three points. I don't think so. I don't think that's the case. Travel's easy. It's more convenient than ever. These teams employ sleep studies yep. and nutritionists and pay attention to player diets. These kids have been traveling to play showcase games in high school, traveling for recruiting visits, all of that. You know, they're showing up to practice in $100,000 cars. So, you know, there's really it's it's not that bad to be a college player and be traveling around. So, I think home field advantage should be lowered. In college football, I have a baseline of two. I think the NFL is even lower than that now. But you can read that over at vston.com, kind of going through my process. But real quick, teams that have three and a half points of home field advantage, Alabama, A&M, Georgia, Ohio State, Clemson, Oklahoma, Utah, Oregon, Cincinnati, UCF, Memphis, SMU, Notre Dame, Liberty, App State, UAB, and Buffalo. And again, the five-year thing comes into play here because – you know, you said it, Memphis. Well, yeah, Memphis isn't as good as they used to be. So with the system that I employed, yep. it takes a little bit of time to catch up. But look, you know, uh, it's maybe a half point higher than they should be. So it's probably okay. <laughs> yeah. The old, uh, oh, what's, uh, where do they play? The uh, the Liberty Bowl. Liberty Bowl. Yeah. yeah. The old beautiful Liberty Bowl. Liberty, speaking of Liberty, what, what, one of the smallest, I think, uh, stadiums in all of uh, all of the FBS. By the way, I'll tell you right now, uh, you mentioned App State, really uh, great, beautiful scene down there in Boone, North Carolina. North Carolina, the Tar Heels, are going to Boone week one. Now, UNC gets a, essentially a preseason warm-up game. They play week zero against Florida A&M at home. That's going to be a fascinating game, very short line. And I'm telling you right now, that will be a public, public darling for App State to pull off the upset there. That line has opened three and a half most spots. Mostly it's threes, even some two and a halves out there uh, for uh, for App State. 
hosting North Carolina. That's going to be a sellout. That's going to be a huge, crazy atmosphere there in Boone, North Carolina, week one. I have App State four-point favorite do in that game really? of my power ratings. I wow. do. And again, I mean, keep in mind, three and a half of that is home field advantage. So, so it's about a pick em. You know, So it's, it's about a pick em in terms of a neutral field. But something to keep in mind about Boone, North Carolina, highest elevation for an FBS stadium east of the Mississippi. Yeah, and you look across uh, here at Circa, you can get a three uh, if you like uh, if you like the Mountaineers, uh, but a lot of two and a halves uh, out there. So uh, great piece there, as Adam mentioned. Go to Veasan.com, uh, free article up, just kind of give you a taste of uh, of what type of college football content is out there. I think uh, there's a, a couple other. Adam Kramer has one of his articles up for free at Veasan.com as well. My article about how to create a set of power ratings is also free, so that's in the guide, but it's also free to check out over at vcin.com, and it gives you an idea of not only my analysis, but the level of analysis that you can come to expect by being a vcin subscriber. All right, let's uh, let's wrap up. We do have a preseason game tomorrow, the Hall of Fame game. Uh, it will include the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, they'll be uh, having Tony Baselli being uh, inter- uh, inter- inducted into the Hall of Fame, easy for me to say, uh, and uh, the Raiders... Uh, Cliff Branch will be uh, inducted into the Hall of Fame uh, this uh, this upcoming weekend. Richard Seymour as well, right? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, multiple Raiders. So depending on where you look, mostly two and a half. It's actually a two here at Circa uh, in favor of uh, in favor of the Raiders. Um, you know, I was texting with Adam Hill. Adam Hill from the Las Vegas Review Journal said that once again they're keeping it close to the vest. They haven't really said one way or the other. I think, as I sometimes say, Adam, to keep Tim entertained bets, I think I might be rolling with the Raiders on a very small bet just because, as you mentioned, you know, Josh McDaniels hasn't been a head coach for over a decade. Uh, his track record in the preseason is kind of meh, you know, one and three in his two preseasons with Denver. But I feel like this is a spot, and you, you, you alluded to this, he's, it's a bit of a homecoming there for Josh McDaniels. I'll lean towards the Raiders in this spot. I think, you know, the handicapping and looking at, you know, coaches and how they perform. We mentioned Harbaugh for the Ravens and Pete Carroll's hit success with Seattle uh, in the preseason. I think it really doesn't apply to this particular game because it's so, so early. But if I had to make a play, I would lean towards uh, the Raiders in this one, laying the two. Yeah, our mutual friend, Brad Powers, who's a, a regular guest here on, yep. on Visa and on Follow the Money every week, um, he calls them pizza money bets. And talking like hot and ready like roll up to little caesars and get one of those what are they 525 now uh hot and ready types of pizzas we're not going to pizza rock with this game you know we're not no. going to evil pie or good pie here in town we're, we're grabbing that five dollar hot and ready and i'll be running around with mike pritchard tomorrow night so maybe i'll uh maybe i'll have a little piece for the homecoming for josh mcdaniels of, of the raiders but it is uh like it's not life-changing no money by any means it's not even like i mean i I have more than that with a couple of denominations in my wallet. <laughs> yeah. Kind of money. Keep it light, but if uh, if you do want to ride and, uh, you know, uh, or as uh, our good friend uh, Patrick Everson says, a Chili's bet, you know, whatever whatever low bet that you got, whatever <laughs> saying it you have, I'll have that on uh, on the Raiders tomorrow. Uh, do I lay the two or do I go money line? Money line's minus 140. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I, I don't know. 
Again, like we talked about, you know, usually the team that wins outright covers the spread because all of these games pretty much have low numbers. Unless you get a rogue six every now and then, something like that. But most of them are plus or minus three one way or the other. Well, enjoy the football tomorrow or whatever it is uh, that that is the Hall of Fame game uh, there in Canton. Hopefully we don't have any issues with the uh, spray painting of the field like we did That's a, right. a couple years ago. Hey, thanks to Eric Eager, John Yastrzemski. And John Schaefer, thanks to Adam Burke for filling in for Sean King the last three nights. I'm Tim Murray. Scott Seidenberg up next right here on Visa. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare